Welcome to season four of the Spotlight series, Don't Just Survive, Thrive. My name is Nicholas Steele, founder of JJP Talent Solutions, an Australian IT recruitment company. With over 20 years expertise, I provide insights on how you can transform your career to the next level. This podcast was born out of the 2020 global pandemic. Season one was launched to help people through the pandemic by talking to a variety of experts about topics such as psychology, finance and health. Season two focused on more work-related issues, including HR, marketing and leadership. Season three centred on the IT industry, where I talk to startup founders and senior IT people who reveal the secrets to their success. And now it's time for season four. This season continues the focus on tech leaders, as well as startup and scale-up founders, about their stories and insights. I hope you enjoy listening. I'm delighted to introduce Jonathan Gajewa, who's based in Oregon in the US. Jonathan is technical evangelist at TechSoft 3D, a company which provides 3D software development toolkits that power world-class engineering applications. Jonathan has 25 years experience in the software development industry and has a passion for building the next generation of 3D software. Jonathan, thank you for joining me on season four Episode two of the Spotlight series, Don't Just Survive, Thrive. Hi, Nicola. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Thank you for being here. And it's wonderful to see you and all that wonderful snow over there in the winter in Oregon, whereas we're overheating over here in Australia. Yeah, I know. The storms have been intense this winter so far. Yeah. Wow. It's funny, isn't it? I guess you probably want the heat and I want the cold. But anyway, we won't talk about the weather, although I think some of your software's tackled that. So we can talk about that later in the the podcast. So, Jonathan, tell me a little bit more about your background and career history. So I've always had a real interest in 3D graphics and being able to use that to do different things. And so even from a young age, video games, I think a lot of us have grown up around those now. And the 3D graphics of being part of those has interested me. My career, though, has taken me in a slightly different direction as opposed to being a video game programmer or working in that industry. And it's really focused on everything else. And so in university, I... I got a degree in computer science, still with a focus on design and art and 3D graphics, and went to uh, several different companies doing that, first in medical visualization. So we helped visualize neurons and pancreatic cells and help see what's at a very microscopic level. And now at TechSoft 3D, uh, we're also doing 3D graphics, but in this case, supporting the engineering industry with toolkits to visualize buildings and ships and cars, planes, trains, and many other things as well. Fantastic. And that's really interesting how that developed there and how you've used your passion for 3D in such a variety of different ways. And tell me a bit more about Hoops toolkits and why you think SDKs are more important than ever. Yeah, so... 
you won't find a, a piece of TechSoft technology on the shelf. You can't buy it really in the e-store, but everything you touch has gone through our design tools in one way or another, has been touched by what we call our Hoops product suite, which is almost a silly name. It stands for something pretty archaic now, but people in the industry know Hoops, and that's our, our product name. And underneath that, we have a number of toolkits. But anything that's built that you see, like in one way or another, there's a software company out there that's been using under the hood our component technologies. So we sell software development toolkits. So not an end user product, but the nuts and bolts that go into building much bigger software products. Uh, we call ourselves an OEM and, and you might know that from automotive, you have probably a car and mm-hmm. manufacturer probably didn't make the, let's say the alternator or the windshield wipers. It, it was Bosch, an OEM provider that that did that. And they just, they do that for everybody. Same with us as we, we have a graphics engine. So we were able yeah. to see 3D and over probably 200 companies are using that to see 3D. Uh, we have a bunch of data toolkits that allow you to bring data in from a variety of sources. So you can't visualize anything until you have data. So we we have um, kind of the a way to bring data in and, and look at it. And then also a way to share it maybe on the web through 3D PDFs and anything in between like analysis or healing. So you could 3D print it. Uh, model it. So if you want to improve upon it by adding additional features, we either make or resell these software tools that then go into all of the engineering software being used in the world today. That's that's really great about all the variety of different users and how users even, and how you bring that in there. And hoops, what does that stand for? Yeah, it stands for hierarchical object-oriented picture system. Ah, so it has its roots in computer science and, and everything's object-oriented for the most part of all of our programming languages. But it, that was our original product, which was a graphics engine that would sit on top of a number of different types of technologies. And now it's just a brand name. It really has no meaning, but we're known as the Hoops guys, that's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's not as archaic as I thought you were going to say. Um, did you say it was an archaic name? A little bit. I mean, it's been around about been around for a, for a while. A picture system. I know we call them scene graphs yeah. and three D engines now. But but yeah, it it has meaning. Yes, absolutely. And you've spoken about AR for industry. And what are your thoughts on enabling AR for industry? Yeah, it seems like we've kind of gone through the hype bubble. But in in the last year, well, the rebranding of Facebook to Meta AR is getting more of a of a run right now. And it interests us because we supply technology to industry at the enterprise level. It's not for entertainment. It's not for gaming. And there is a real opportunity here for taking what we call the digital twin, which is the digital representation of what's built and being able to overlay that onto the real world. And so that's really exciting because it enables a workforce to get this digital context A good example of that is the digital twin of an airplane turbine. Now, you could have a model of that, like a 3D object model, and you can visualize it. But being able to trace that specific Rolls-Royce turbine from production into being delivered to a customer through the maintenance and having that digital footprint and then overlaying it, giving that data to a, a maintenance 
technician is really helpful because they know, okay, I just don't have this, this model that, or like a, a 2D, let's say layout and, and my design documents, but I actually have the exact model and how it's been altered through its life cycle, especially as it's out there being used over the course of many years. So that's really interesting. Uh, being able to enable the workforce to get that digital context and be able to overlay it during their everyday jobs, especially moving the that information outside of the office. So we're, we're talking about people who are working with their hands. They could be on the factory line doing assembly. They could be out in the field doing maintenance, um, but they don't have all of this information all the time. They have to go back or they take a copy of it with them, but being able to have that with them at all times, possibly you know, simply on their phone or more interestingly, like in a, a headset that's a bit more immersive, mm. given that context, especially with a headset, having it allow you to interact with data like hands-free can be really useful. So these tools are enabling new workflows and they're really seeing it equip the workforce in such a way that uh, hasn't been done before with this digital context. Yeah, there's so many different opportunities with AR rather than just Pokemon Go, for example. I think it would work really well in, for example, in mining. In Australia, we have a really lots of mining going on here and the sites tend to be thousands of kilometres from where a lot of people live. So AR, for example, could be used in, in that industry as well. Yeah, and- mining, mining is interesting. I visited a number of the companies in Australia doing mining visualization or when you're on site and seeing what is possible, right? So mm-hmm. overlaying what is going to happen next week and next month is another um, real practical way of, of using this augmented reality technology using 3D in, in a real work scenario. Fantastic. Um, and also, Jonathan, in terms of we deal with massive, massive amounts of data uh, currently, and obviously that's set to grow in the future. So what would your advice be for handling massive data sets with engineering applications for both web and mobile? Yeah, that's one of the real challenges of a lot of the industry right now, because as our technology gets better, people want to be able to do more with it. So it doesn't matter what sector of technology you're in, you want faster connection and more data and more realistic. It's always a struggle. The second we get better hardware, the user's demands are, are always increasing. So we got to stay ahead of that. And that's what's facing all these companies, especially if we go back to this, this idea of real-time AR or, or VR, it requires more computing power in a smaller form factor. And uh, the closer that we're able to marry the two of those together, the better. So looking at building companies and solutions that marry the hardware with the software integrally so they can really leverage the full stack um, and optimize for that experience. You know, even during the pandemic now, everybody's going to the cloud, if, especially if they haven't already. So, so being able to leverage the dispersed and available computing on cloud is useful, but it's going to be a challenge. And, and we got to figure out how to better organize our data and call the data. So only display um, and provide what's most interesting or, or make that decision for our users, because not everything can be on our device or 
at our fingertips all the time. So there's a lot of intelligence on the back end and good data organization that's really needed. Absolutely. A huge challenge. And I guess as well, privacy in terms of that data and what can be done with that data. Yeah. Yeah. Security is always really interesting, especially in our industries. We're in engineering and manufacturing, which tends to lag. So even though I'm not in video games and entertainment, we benefit a lot from developments there. And so look at larger enterprises like Boeing or or Ford or GM, like they're still on older versions of Windows and their security protocol is a little bit different. And many of these are hesitant to move to the cloud. Thankfully, the pandemic really has forced us to work remotely and with success, right? So there's always risk, but it's forcing everybody's organization to hire remotely and work remotely. And and if they don't have end-to-end encryption and feel comfortable with that, they better get comfortable with it really quick. So it's been a real forcing factor. And and I think to our benefit, because it's people who aren't there yet are being forced to move to the cloud. Absolutely. And it it very much was forced upon us. But I agree with you. I think in a way, it was quite a, almost a blessing in disguise. I'm quite a positive person though, but... (laughs) And coming back to you, Jonathan, and your career, what would you say were the main highlights of your career so far? Yeah, um, I think one of one of the things that was really fun to do was I do have an interest in these advanced technologies. And so as we were looking at, at AR and VR for engineering workflows, um, we were able to put together a number of different programs, which landed us on the cover of Desktop Engineering, which is a trade journal in our space. It's still my goal to get written up in Wired Magazine. So that's a career goal. I haven't hit that yet, but trying to figure out how to do that. Some other fun things. I uh, was part of a startup right after college, and we we soon were purchased by a much larger organization. So that opened up our ability to sell internationally. So at a young age, I was able to go and lecture at uh, Harvard University in Dartmouth to their medical schools because we were in medical imaging and and um, City College of London. And uh, also I was up in Queensland and working with uh, some companies there as well. So that was a roller coaster traveling the world as part of a, a small part of a much larger company. So that was, that was a lot of fun. And then I think lastly, we, we took on some major investments. So we've been Right now, the company I'm with, Techsoft 3D, has been a privately owned company. We took on some major investment about two years ago, right before the pandemic, like literally (laughs) February of of 2020. And then everything seemed to shut down in March. But uh, that has allowed us this investment infusement of funds to grow our company. And we are acquiring more technology in our space. And so that's allowed us to acquire two companies specifically in an area that we find very interesting, that of analysis. So so Citron and another company called VKI are two pretty big names in our space for uh, analysis, both like meshing and visualization of analysis data. That is so exciting. So many highlights. That's incredible. And out of curiosity, where, where and when were you in Queensland? Oh, let's see. That was before TechSoft. So I've traveled to Australia twice now with TechSoft. So with Media Cybernetics, the company I was with prior to TechSoft. So that's now 15 years ago, I guess. And then uh, probably about six years ago, we did a pretty pretty big tour through through Australia that was part of our sales territory. 
And again, mostly mining companies. And uh, amazingly, like 3D is in mining and Techsoft has a lot of mining companies um, that are that are partners of ours that reuse our technology. Yeah. So you would breathe it here about 2006 or thereabouts. Yep. Excellent. So lots and lots of highlights, which is fabulous. Everyone likes to hear about a good challenge as well. So what have been the main challenges that you've also overcome in your career? Yeah, staffing. So I live in Bend, Oregon. It's a small up and coming city, but there's not a lot of talent here. We're starting to grow that. And so that's a real slow build. Um, And again, since the, you have to come back to the pandemic, we've been hiring now anywhere, uh, but we have some great talent coming from the uh, Southeast of the US and I think that's also been a challenge is trying to figure out how to work remotely and be successful mm-hmm. as a company these last two years. And same thing, we weathered the tech or the um, the crash of uh, the recession in 2008, 2009. That was a tough time. I had just started here at Techsoft, but thankfully, because of good leadership, we didn't have to let anybody go. There was, there was some austerity measures, but that was, that was also a real struggle. Yeah, absolutely. And I think... On a global scale, wherever people are based, whether it's a smaller up-and-coming town or London, New York, Sydney, wherever, people are really struggling, companies, sorry, are really struggling to find talent because of the the talent Mm -hmm. shortage. And in terms of recruiting new team members, what do you think are the three crucial characteristics to being a high performer? I think a desire, like a hunger. Like I like to see somebody with some real desire to do something and, and somebody who is like a doer. So that, that would be one. I look for somebody who also has the competencies, maybe not the exact competencies, but the competencies to learn and demonstrate that. So mm-hmm. that, that means they need to be teachable as well. And then we also, and I, I believe in this, but also a good cultural fit making sure that the values that we hold, we share in some way. And that's really important. We'll actually fire people because they're not a good cultural fit and they don't uphold our core values. Absolutely. And in terms of your core values, what would you say your core values are? Yeah. So mine might be a little bit different than the company's. However, I'm here. And so they're certainly influenced. So for me, integrity is very important in upholding your responsibility. Hard work is important to me as well. And then kindness. So those that's me. Our company value uh, obviously values that. And, and we've actually, as we've grown and continue to grow, we try to make sure that we uphold those, those core values, our core values, which are being agile and responsive, having fun. So that's part of who we are and building positive relationships. And the last one is pursuing excellence. So those are our four core values here at Techsoft 3D. And we've tried to define those as we grow because we don't want to lose who we are. We do expect to be growing two, three X in the next couple of years, especially with this investment. Um, And we want to make sure that we're true to ourselves. Which is so important. And you do have dealt with lots of startups and companies as they grow and help them grow and losing those values can be a real issue and I love your values as well I think the one that really resonated with me was your personal one kindness which 
for me is also really important and also having fun which life should never be dull Jonathan so <laughs> hopefully I'd be a good cultural fit for you although I'm based at the on the other side of the world and you've talked previously about the increased need for communities so please could you elaborate a little bit more on that yeah so I feel like this is a distinguishing factor for companies that are looking to grow. So it's not just about providing a service or providing some sort of tool or asset, but providing a place to belong. And that's something that we currently are investing in and trying to build is a community around what it is we do. And it's lacking, especially in our space, like especially in 3D engineering software, there's nowhere to really go and say, these are my people. And I want to help these people or I want to be part of a tribe and find, you know, what makes a good 3D software engineer and what are people doing and what are the new tools and what's the new exciting thing happening and how do I get better at what I do? Now, there's obviously a benefit to the company that's or the people supplying this because it builds loyalty and understanding and rapport and you, you get other evangelists. So we do want to grow our, our footprint, but we also want to give back to the people who we're serving. And we do that. It's one of the ways in which we do business is it's a real relationship with our customers. We actually don't call them customers. We call them partners because we're partnering success in the way in which we even sell our software. It's a shared success model. So we, we see ourselves as really building this. And, and as you talk to people who use our, our software and, and interact with us as a company, they feel that, that that's kind of like across the board. Um, and it makes a very special relationship and a very, a very special place to do business. And I enjoy that, but there's no place for them to connect to each other. Like they're kind of out there. We have this hub and spoke, but we want to start bringing them together. And that's going to make us all better. It's going to hopefully spur product ideas and provide feedback. And then it, because we serve so many different Different industries, building construction is very different than building a computer. Mm-hmm. However, when you get those guys together, there's an amazing amount of overlap with the type of things that they're they're building, the software that enables their users. So we're trying to really formalize that. Um, and that's kind of my, that's for the last about year and a half, two years, that's really been my focus. That's fantastic. I really like that idea of communities that there's a lot of trust that you have there and the sharing of information and connections and everything. And interestingly, the, the episode one, uh, so podcast before this one, they these two guys were based in Newcastle in New South Wales and Australia. And they spoke very much in a similar way about having that kind of relationship with their clients and the the people in the industry as a whole. So it's great to see that happening rather than that win-lose kind of relationship of old, which, which is fantastic having those communities. So Jonathan, what do you think are the secrets behind your success? I have a really interesting skill set. Like my background is technology, but I spend a lot of time in front of people and connecting people. So if that interests anybody out there, I, I say go with it. I think that's really important. Having good written and oral communication is such a, an asset today. And it's even if you are somebody deep in technology, being have being able to have that skill set is really important. Mm-hmm. I also value, uh, somebody told me, uh, I, I like this, uh, quality of humble 
confidence where like you're competent in what you're doing, but you're not trying to brag or put people down. And I, you know, I, I try to build that as my brand and try to stick with that. Like, I, I think that's, that's me. I mean, that's not everybody, but uh, I feel like that disarms people and builds rapport, which is more important to me than, than many other things. Absolutely. Nobody likes to show off really, do they? But confidence is a different different thing. And finally, Jonathan, if you could turn back the clock, what advice would you give 16-year-old Jonathan? Yeah, you, you know, I thought about that. You gave me that before the interview and I had to think think pretty long and hard because I'm, I'm happy with where I've come from and what I've done. But maybe, at least for me, my 16-year-old self was always and continue to always look to the future. So you know, what, what is the school we're going to and how do we get there? And what is the job we're going to and how do we get there? And what's the career path and what does retirement now look like? And I think probably the one piece of advice would be just like, that's okay. Like some planning is okay, but just also make sure that you're just in the moment and you care for yourself and those around you. So you're not always kind of rushing to the next thing, but you just, you're present with where you are right now. And, and that's pretty, pretty special and pretty awesome as it, as it is. That's really great advice. For someone who's 16 or somebody who's, you know, 46, 56, however old, to be present, stop thinking about the future or the past and focus on the very now. Well, Jonathan, thank you very much for sharing your insights. Is there anything else that you'd like to share? No, I think that's fantastic. Thanks so much for chatting today. Thank you very much. It was a delight speaking to you. Thank you. you enjoyed this episode please remember to subscribe rate and review if you're looking for career advice your next career opportunity or to grow your tech team then please call me Nicholas Steele on 0499 773 546 or go to our website jjptalent.com.au the don't just survive thrive podcast is part of the spotlight series which includes the YouTube channel Spotlight on Software Development. If you want more insights into the software industry, particularly tech startups, then subscribe to the Spotlight on Software Development YouTube channel. Thank you for listening. Until next time.